Welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. And it's good to be back on a Monday. News. Monday. We have news, guys. We have news, guys. We're going to get back on our regular schedule of two episodes a week. Uh, we really miss doing that and putting them together. But we finally have a ton of news. And it looks like things are picking back up again. And uh, the slowdown is kind of, in terms of our world, is abating a little bit. So we're excited to be back on a Monday. But before we get into the news, we've yes. got um, you went and looked at a 944, or more specifically, a 951. 951, which is the turbo four cylinder version of, of the, the 944. And yes. you just sent me one crappiest picture ever. You didn't really send me anything. So I know virtually nothing, yeah. but I do know that you did not drive a 951 here to the studio. You don't know that. I'm pretty sure you didn't. Otherwise, I there didn't. would be some sort of Jake, ah, excitement, <laughs> some excitement as you walked into the door telling right. me to come down and look in the parking lot. So I'm selling. Well, actually, first, I have something for you. Okay. This is a Hershey's chocolate bar. I thought maybe you would like to eat some chocolate as we do the interview. Here. Thanks. Do I might want, do that. <laughs> just, some people do that. Yeah, just crank that thing open right. and chow down. I'm going to do that. <laughs> okay, this, is, this is good. I, yeah, I, yeah, this just, is professional yes exactly anyway Good. um tell me about this car <laughs> yeah so we um we're planning on selling the s3 that we have just because it, it is not a good replacement for an rs4 it's a little disappointing and we don't want a car payment it's right faster now. isn't it no it's no slower. it's not it's what is it got 60 less horsepower or something like that 60 uh, 70 no it has a lot less i think it's a 300 horse Something okay. like that, and the RS4 had 430. Well, you went from a from a V8 to a turbo four cylinder. Right. I mean, that's a huge difference. I mean, despite turbo being cool, and they try it to just meh. It's know. just not worth. The, so here's how I describe it: the money to satisfaction ratio just isn't there. Right. Because right. how much was it? Thirty eight grand. Yeah. Is that close? No, it's, it's yeah closer to thirty. But yeah. okay, so thirty grand for a <laughs> three hundred horsepower little car seems like that would be a good. Seems like it would be a good car. It would, but it's a DSG, so you can't shift. That's not fun. And it's just, it doesn't, it's just the satisfaction is not there. Well, it's not an 8,000 RPM or whatever that thing is. 8,250. Give me a break. Yeah, it's not an yeah. 8,000 RPM V8. I know. So we're like, and we get be. another RS4? And we're like, no, because it'll never live up to what we had. It was not, it'll never be our car again. Why don't you get a wagon and buy a... You should have bought your car back. I was going to, but they wanted like 10 grand for the wrecked thing. Ooh. Yeah, it was a lot. Believe yeah, that's I looked not into an option. It. I looked into it a lot. Okay, so anyway, so the so S3, anyways, so I'm looking at other options. The guy that called about your S3 today, yeah, really liked tires. Oh, he was super excited. <laughs> what tires are on it? The Continental Extreme <laughs> DSWs. Oh, good. That's what I was hoping for. <laughs> well, I hope you get that thing sold so you can, because you went to look at an, at the nine four four. Tell us about that. <laughs> well, this would be. I love the idea of this. Okay. Of having so let's, so let's, Nikki would drive the Macan. In my brain, I'm going okay. The guy has a brand new S3, uh -huh. and it's just not exciting enough. Right. So he goes to look at a 944 with 280 million miles. Yep. How many miles? 1987. Are? It's darn within. It, it's within spitting distance of 200,000. Okay. So it's like 190 something. So you're going from miles. a brand new S3 to yeah. a worn out, <laughs> yeah. worn it's out like, 944. I was like, this isn't exciting, but this this would be exciting. Did this you drive? Might, did you I drive, did it? drive it? They are okay. So I first of all, <laughs> yeah. A 944. I'm not even talking about the turbo car. Yeah. A 944 as an idea. Awesome. Awesome. Because you go, you look at it. They're cool. They got the flip up headlights. Oh, it's the so shape 80s. of it. They got the rubber, uh, rubber the spoiler. Little, yeah. You know, and you get in, and the seating position is great. The gauges are cool. They're the, sometimes Chris, they're, did they're you yellow. know 
It's 50-50 weight distribution? Did you know that it handles perfectly? Because it's 50-50 weight I, distribution? Have I ever told you about the guy at the gas station? Yes. The guy at the gas station that pulls up in his 944. <laughs> I'm putting gas in my mouth. He's like, oh. I go, oh, nice 944. Because I'm just like, it's a cool car. It was yeah, nice. For sure. it, was, it was red. It was in great shape. He goes, yeah, it's got 50-50 weight distribution. Of course. But then he goes, unlike your car. <laughs> Like, what are you doing, Napoleon? What's yeah, going on exactly. here? It's totally ridiculous. <laughs> um, but there, you get in, the, in, the interiors are great. The seating position so is good. Has, the I, gauges I, are nice, but they are boring. No. Eh, okay, hold on, hold on. But I haven't driven a turbo. Right. I did the regular one. So was, I did a lot of digging to learn about these things real quick before I went to look at it. So mid-model year 1985, they updated the interior. Which makes a yep. huge difference. They go from the yellow gauges to something a little bit newer, right? It, it goes from like 70s looking dashboard where it's yep. like very boxed out binnacle with the gauges with yep. the weird coned faces on them to looking like mid 90s, early 2000s. Everything's rounded. It has a cool like everything's driver centric. Much better interior on right. this one. This we always call 87. those the booby gauges. The booby gauges, yeah, the pointy the, ones with the, the little the pointy ones with, with the, the little nurples. It's like the little tassel at the end. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. So I like the interior actually was in decent shape for being that old with that many miles. Okay. It was black on black. With gold. Like gold jo John wheels. Player special spec. Almost. It was. And I can't figure out if that's factory because I talked to a bunch of guys about it because here's why I think it might be. It had the gold uh, badges and also had a gold pinstripe that was under the clear coat. So it wasn't oh, like an added on thing. I wonder if some of that stuff is dealer option. It could is be. my question. It gets put on at port or gets put on the at the dealer. Because I talked to a couple guys who know these cars, and they're like, "We've never seen factory gold phone dials." The other um, thing is, is that it could have been in an accident. Yeah. Because even the dealership or the the factory would never put pinstripes under the clear coat. That is weird. Well, yeah, I know. Okay. I was so like, ooh, can I peel this off? Because this is dumb. And I was like, nope, it's under something. Yeah, that's not normal. I don't know. <laughs> Normally, um, you can get a little bit of thinner and take pinstripes off. They're not supposed to be underneath the clear coat. That's well, something I, you do by I, hand at, afterward. Yeah, I don't know, Chris. Well, I'm just explaining. You're asking if you're wondering if it's factory. I'm telling you, no way. Well, regardless. So, okay, driving experience. So I really, really like the idea of this. What was your first impression when you walked up to the car? Were you like, yeah. Or were My you, first impression was shake, is, yeah? why is the power steering pump sound like that? <laughs> <laughs> it was literally my first impression. The guy gets out and I'm like, can you pop the hood? And I'm like, yeah, that's power steering pump. Oh, maybe it's just low. Okay. I don't know. He wasn't a huge car guy. Okay. He was a car guy, but in, it wasn't a huge mechanical guy. We'll sure. say that. Um, so driving it, Feels super slow and boring mm -hmm. until it gets on boost. Now, this is 80s boost leg 100%. Right. Okay. So it's like, man, this thing is overrated. Why is it so slow and boring? And it fe it's a GT car. What I mean, RPMs the does it come on boost? When does it come on boost? Like four. <laughs> and it redlines at like 62? Yeah. yeah. So you have a narrow window where it's like, oh, okay, there's the power. And then you have to shift again. But once you shift, it's still in the power band. Yes, if you're going for it. If you're going for it. But as you're it. just like on the freeway, you get a little boost. Ooh, yeah. And then you shift and you'll be back down to just regular, you know, running RPMs. So I don't know. I like the idea of it. I like, I looked at them all, uh, you know, and so you're seeing all the pictures of them slammed on like turbo yeah. twists. They look sure. really good and actually much more modern than an 80s car. But, but I talked to a bunch of people who are like, all right, first of all, 
You need to do the timing belt. Because it's a nightmare. You did, I told you it was a... timing belt is the most ridiculous timing belt of any vehicle. All right, explain why. So it is behind the balance shaft belts, and it's nestled in there. What is a balance shaft belt? So this engine, because... Okay, when you make a four-cylinder that big, it's 2.5 liters yep. of four-cylinder. When you make it that big, there's a lot of rotational mass, and there are what's called secondary vibration forces so in addition to the up down of the piston the crankshaft as it goes around makes side to side forces okay that are uneven so this thing would rattle itself apart without balance shafts so balance shafts are another shaft that looks like a camshaft just out on the side of the engine not doing anything other than having weights thrown around to counteract that balancing so you have two of them on an engine this big and they need a separate belt system, which is in front of the timing belt, but behind the serpentine belt. <laughs> okay. Gotcha? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotcha. And while you're in there, you also have to do your water pump, because why wouldn't you? Because that's so much work. Right. And then there's also several different types of tensioners do you, so for you your timing belt. You, do you have to time these balance shafts? Yeah. I suppose you do, don't yeah. you? They have to be timed. With, yeah, otherwise, otherwise what's you would the point? make the balancing worse. Yes. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it's... I don't know. And they say you have to do these every 30,000, the timing belt, every 30,000 miles. Wow. Okay. That's not. That's not ideal. That's not ideal. No. And so I was like, all right, well, when was it done? He's like, I haven't done it. And I've put 20,000 miles in the car (laughs) (laughs) over 10 years. Okay. So even if it only has 20,000 miles on this timing belt, it's 10 years old. So what does it cost to pay someone else to do this? 1,500 to 3,500. Is the range. That is a huge range. I know. Is that having Joey's Garage do it versus having the dealer do it? I th- well, yes. Okay. Okay. That's, I mean. So first of all, this thing has already got a big hit against it. Yep. How much was this car? They, he was asking 7,500. Ooh. Okay. Well, I mean, the, the 951s have come up a lot. Yeah. So that, I mean, that is like the cheapest one. And of course, there's the bring a trailer effect on these. Of course. He even mentioned, he goes, well, I saw one on bring a trailer. You know, oh, you mean the one like, with 20,000 yes, miles and yeah. it, somebody yes. just did the belt? Exactly. Like, like, exactly. As he's posting the ad, he's also ratcheting the, <laughs> the, 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 the that's how recently the timing belt was done. Yeah. So he's like, oh yeah, one of these is going for like 30 grand on bring a trailer. I was like, yeah, okay. Well, you have to factor in timing belt, so that's like I'll be generous. This thing was and say, actually driven by Mark Weber off the lot. That's why you know there's just so many reasons so those cars I, go for it. No, so I walked away from it. Long story short, like I love the idea of driving that thing, and it'd be so fun and exciting. Mainly because you never know when it's going to break down on you and explode because it's an interference engine too. So it's not like you can just ah, I'll just drive until the time belt breaks. No, because then you're out an engine. Well, even non-interference engines. When the timing belt breaks, you can still bend valves sometimes. Yeah, depending on what point. What they... you're doing. I've had a timing belt break on a eight valve ABA engine. Uh-huh. At it was a chip car, so it broke at like six thousand RPMs. Uh huh. Bent every single valve. Hmm. That's not supposed to be in it. But I've also had that engine break, um, a timing belt. I've had a lot of these engines and had it <laughs> at idle. And it and it's just fine. It was just fine. So I guess it just depends if you're floating valves or not. Right. That's what I was wondering. <laughs> I think that has more to do yeah, with that. Yeah, it's probably floating else. the valves a little bit. So 944. Yep. And now I'm looking at other fun stuff. I really like the Z4 Coupes. Okay. So you didn't, obviously, you did not buy this car. No. And it's not because of the timing belt. What was, because if it was the timing belt, you just would have, I, I mean, because you could have came back and been like, yo, this thing needs a timing belt. How and about? I, I don't know. I'm still thinking about it. Okay. I'm okay. still thinking about it. But it's could, just not practical, Chris. It's not practical. For what? I don't know. Driving is my primary transport. Well, I don't understand. What do you mean? I don't know. Did the air conditioning work? Uh, no. 
Okay, well, that makes it extremely impractical to sit in traffic in. Well, I could fix that. And you could fix the timing belt, too. Yeah. So, so what is the actual reason that you don't want this? Because you're mechanically inclined. You could fix this stuff. Because it, why am I buying a second project car? That's not a project, I don't think. That's just maintenance stuff. So okay. the time belt is considered maintenance. So you do the maintenance on the car, and then you continue to drive the car. Right. That's not a project. A project is a 944 with a blown engine. That would be a project. That would be more of a project. Which this you, might be by the time I get home. By the time home. you get it home. When the, you know, I was talking to Chad every once in a while about 180 timing belts back when those were really, really common. Yeah. And guys would come in. You have to do them at 70,000 miles, yep. I think. And uh, guys would come in with 110,000 oh, miles. Yeah. Yeah. And, he, and he would physically p- push the cars in and out of the garage. Because he doesn't want it to break Because he there. doesn't want to be the one <laughs> to start the car at his shop and have it break the timing belt. I yeah. always thought that was really, really funny. That is funny. Just imagine calling up the guy and be like, hey, man, I just pushed your car into the shop. Um, your your timing belt has more cracks on it than North Minneapolis. We got to figure out what's going on. <laughs> Wait, more, more cracks? <laughs> you can take that however you want. And uh, I just, I'm not going to start your car. And the guy going, eh, don't worry about it. We'll do it later. And I, I bet a lot of those guys came back in a couple of weeks with a broken timing belt. For yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm sure he did. So that's the 944 What else adventure. are you looking at? I don't know, Chris. I need to. Here's the other thing. I don't need to buy another car while I'm trying to get rid of cars. I tried to lowball on that V12 SL600. How'd that go? Not well. <laughs> uh, they've got it's over at uh, at Westside Volkswagen. Yep. I used to sponsor here, and uh, they want eighty five hundred for it. It's got yeah. ninety six thousand miles, black with gray. It's the V twelve. It's a V twelve. It's a hardtop. You know that's convertible, right? You take yeah. you can take yeah, the hardtop off. It's a V twelve. It's a V twelve. I, I want a V twelve something. Yeah. At some point, I just want. Plus, you put headers on that thing; it sounds like a Pagani Zonda. Yeah, actually, I'm not exaggerating. I know. Really I've watched videos. Um, so I said, I'm like, well, you know, you know, car sales are down like 80. percent And you have this you know, wagon to trade in. I can trade the wagon in. Let's figure. I don't. Actually, I probably wouldn't be able to trade the wagon in. I'm like, I'll give you six grand for it. He goes, we just turn it down and offer for 75. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you guys it's clearly not hurting. You know, they're clearly yeah, not. I exactly. bet they paid. They got that thing from auction or whatever. They probably have, you know, five into it or something, five or six into it. Yeah. I, w- I probably would have paid seven, you know. Yeah. I probably would have paid seven to try the thing out because yeah. then I could make maybe make some money later with, you know, sell it on, bring a trailer for <laughs> whatever, you know, try and keep the mileage under 100,000, yep. drive it for a couple thousand miles. So, yeah, we currently still own a Macan, an S3, a 911, a Hummer. And a couple motorcycles, so I probably don't need to buy another car before getting rid of it. Why don't you just get rid of the Hummer? Where is it? At your dad's? Yeah. Just get rid of it. I, that's the plan. What do you want for it, as is with blown motor? It's not blown. What? Isn't, there, isn't the crankshaft hanging out the bottom of the engine case? Not anymore. Okay. All right. All right. Moving on. <laughs> I don't want to know what's going on. I, I really, really don't want to know what's going on. All right. Let's get into a little bit of news, shall yeah, we? Let's do it. All right. So the new GTI, we've known that the new GTI is coming out for quite some time. Right. Um, on Thursday, Volkswagen confirmed that the GTI will hit our shores in 2021, uh-huh. uh, the, the latter half of 2021. Okay. And it's going to be sold as a 2022. Right. And But here's the thing. Don't forget, we're not getting a Golf. That's sad, isn't it? Yeah. We're getting a GTI and a Golf R. Right. So this is the, they're calling it the digital GTI. Oh, geez. Which, as you, as Isn't, wouldn't that, okay, wouldn't the digital GTI be the e golf? I, sure. Yeah, I guess. I, I don't really know why. It, here's why a new 
digital cockpit display for the driver will join an 8.25 inch infotainment screen as standard equipment. The only way this would be cool, Chris, as a digital cockpit display is if it's the Mark II digital cockpit display where it's like the rev counter is like that, you know? The the Digifiz. Digifiz. Yeah. Is that what it was called? Technically, no, but slang, yes. The Digifiz. (laughs) That would be cool. That that would be cool. Um, It has, though, the most advanced features will reserve for the optional 10-inch screen. Oh, jeez. It sounds like a woman trying to choose between boyfriends. Do you want the 8.25-inch or do you want the 10-inch? Together with the digital cockpit display, the the larger screens from what Volkswagen calls its InnoVision cockpit. Pit. It should function similar to the system in the latest Audi models where maps information from the central screen are mirrored. You know what? Who cares? Yeah, okay, the so S3 has I, this. I know. And I drove an Audi that had it as well. You have the whole city laid out in front of you on the on the display. Right. But real, realistically, you just want to use CarPlay. <laughs> I know. It doesn't make any sense. I, I, yeah, I have all these maps at my disposal, and I still just bring up Waze. On my phone, right? Because who cares? It, I don't want to see it. I don't want right. to look at it there. Exactly. I, here's the question: Do other? Is it because of who we are? Or do other people? I think other people are just using their phone too, right? Because that's what you're used to. It's what you're used to, absolutely. And the starting price of this thing is thirty grand. Starting price. Okay. That's for the eight point five inch cockpit okay. screen. <laughs> right. So imagine if this was not there. Okay. So let's imagine how much would this? How much do you think that costs to have? An instrument cluster, the design, the software, right into the user interface, uh, not to mention uh, the making it, whoever yeah. makes it, paying for it. You've got two of these. Both need an interface design. They need to be interfaced with the fiber optics to be controlled by the steering wheel. I don't think it's fiber optics. Uh, sorry, what is it? Canbus. Uh, Canbus, my yep. bad. Canbus to be uh, all this stuff. That's right. Really, yeah, no, how I get much it. do they it's have into this? a lot of cost. What, where's the option with none of it? Yeah, Where the, is the option with none? The stripped down spec. Where is it? The Why? vinyl floor manual trans. Why? Yeah. Why? Why know. isn't there just, do they feel like nobody would buy it? Yes, they do. Okay. So what? It costs less to make. Just put it out there. Just put it out there. Who cares? Make it, make it available. Why not? Why not just make it available and just don't put that stuff in? Hmm. Because I don't think they'd be able to recoup the cost of just like having a blank piece of plastic that they all, need to make technology all they would have to engineer is the uh the fitting of this of the the stuff from last the last year's model yeah i guess the climate control everything like change up the knobs a little bit i have i don't know um so there's also a, a <laughs> more of chris and jake talking about what they have no idea about <laughs> <laughs> um really interesting though is the new torque vectoring limited slip differential called vaq which is the VAC. which is said to completely eliminate torque oversteer um, anyway, Lane not keep- oversteer, just torque steer. Well, yeah, yes, you're right. It will. It's- torque oversteer is not a thing. That would be have to be rear wheel. Yeah, drive. I read that. I read that wrong. Um, it also has lane keeping assist, autonomous emergency braking, pedestrian cyclist detection. I have pedestrian cyclist det- detection included. Is it just common sense? Or- it's my eyeballs. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I can see. It's I can, your I glasses. That That's the feature. You know why? <laughs> Do you know why you need pedestrian cyclist detection? Because you're too busy because looking at the damn screen. Because you're looking at the stupid 10-inch screen. Exactly. That's why you need the freaking. St- <laughs> oh man! All right. So, what causes torque steer? Tell me, since I since you had to correct me, what causes torque steer? So, torque steer is caused by the unequal torque distribution of the front wheels. So, Chris, your front wheels. I don't know if you know this. They steer the car. Right. So when you're also putting all of your power through the front wheels, that's not a problem until one of the wheels is giving more torque than the other one. Right. Which is because of the differential trying to. 
It's actually due to a lot of different things. Even if you had a fully welded differential, you would still have torque steer. Is that well, because of the the, it's the the surface of the road, all these varying things? Right. And a lot of it has to do with drive shaft lengths. So think of your traditional front-wheel drive car. The transmission is offset off to one side because you have to fit the engine up there. So that means usually your left drive shaft is shorter than your right one or vice versa. Unless you have Honda. an Audi Fox. Yeah. And then it's a longitudinal front wheel or right. a four cylinder, which is just goofy. <laughs> totally. Goofy. Then you have way too much weight in front of the tires. Yeah. So the actual length of the drive shaft contributes to difference in torque vectoring and also the scrub radius of your tire. So this has to do with actual suspension geometry. So think of it this way think about holding onto the axle yourself. Okay. And that's your wheel out there. Okay. okay. And now you're sending power through the axle, it wants to pull away from you and create an arc. Right. Right. Yeah. So that affects basically how you're steering. So by changing where you're actually well, you steering have control point, arms that are supposed to prevent that from happening. It's not the control arms. It's the actual scrub radius, which is the distance between the center line of each tire and your steering pivot angle. Okay? okay. So if your steering pivot angle is exactly on the center of the tire, which it isn't. So this is why all the spindle. RWB cars handle horribly with 50 millimeter yes, spacers. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. So that's the layman's version. All right. So uh, anyway, there, the other news, the, uh, the Volkswagen Golf is dead, um, or at least on life support. Because we're not getting it. Because we're not getting it. And once the, basically, uh, some of, let me just read a quote from um, this, this douchebag. Uh, <laughs> hold on. Some of Volkswagen's most iconic nameplates are set to appear in, disappear in markets that only allow sales of electric cars. Well, we, all, we allow sales of combustion engine cars here. But by 2020, by 2030, you know, no uh, combustion engine cars for sale in the UK. Wow. Okay, so within 10 years there, that's maybe it'll happen sooner. Paris, same thing. Lots of big European cities. And if the Golf isn't selling in the UK and France and in Germany. They just won't make it. They anymore. just won't make it. Um, uh, between now and then, Stackman, whoever, who's Stackman? Uh, Volkswagen's boss of sales and marketing, Jürgen Stackman. Uh, he did yeah, confirm that he's, he did expect a ninth generation of the Golf to be launched. I'm convinced that you will see the Golf 9 coming as Golf and probably with, uh, with the boundaries that we have now introduced. Although the Golf will cease to exist in markets that only permit the sale of fully electric vehicles, there was a hope for Golf in other places around the world. Quote, Golf will remain as a strong effort of the brand in many places that I believe in Europe as well, but in many places outside of Europe where they pr probably don't have the capacity to go full electric. Okay, so what you're going to see, my theory, mm -hmm. is have you ever seen the the the, the Golf Caribe or the City Golf yes. and stuff like that? Yes. I feel like it's what you're going to start having because the City Golf was really popular in Africa for a very – Why? Because they didn't have no regulations. There's no safety regulations. You could have a tiny little car. It was cheap. All the machine, all the tooling, all all the parts were already made. They mm. didn't have to do, do any research. All they had to do was update the way it looked a little bit, right. and then people could buy a City Golf and drive around in South Africa. Wasn't a, a City Golf a Mark IV Golf with no. Mark V taillights? That's different. A City Golf is actually a Mark One that was made up. No. In, yes, until the 2000s. Look it up. Google it while we're talking right okay. here. And you could get you could get all kinds of city golf parts that would sort of maybe bolt on. And I think there was a golf Caribe too that I can't remember exactly what that was. But you uh you had a South African city golf. You find oh yeah. It? I think I have. And it looks like a like a almost like a cabriolet. It's got like a little body kit on it. And they had 
you know, updated headlights, updated interiors with airbags and different instrument cluster and stuff like that. But the Odd. core of the car was the same. Yeah. And I wonder if you're going to start seeing that with like the golf as, you know, all of a sudden, hey, we'll keep the golf around. We got to have something to sell in third world countries. <laughs> That's what it seems like they're saying right there. Um, speaking of uh, car free zones, London is now manu- uh, mandating car free zones. Wow. The mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, has announced plans to transform, cent- transform central parts of the capital. Quote, we will need many more Londoners to walk and cycle to make this work. That's why these plans will transform parts of central London to create one of the largest car-free areas in any capital city in the world. Hmm. Transport for London's uh, Transport for London say these measures are necessary to enable safe social distancing on public transport as lockdown restrictions are eased. Now, I'm kind of having a little bit of trouble drawing the parallel between why we need to shut down um all these public roads and public this doesn't make sense. So if they're saying that social distancing is the reason you can't you can't get on a bus and social distance. OK, that makes sense. Right. So people should drive their own car. Exactly. The mayor stresses public transport must be only used when absolutely necessary. He said everyone who can work from home must continue to do so for the foreseeable future. Uh, yeah, I don't know. So you have a lot of people that are just regular people. They're not going to start cycling to work. It's just right. never going to happen. So I don't know uh, enough about the geography of London to know how much of the of it is being closed down and becoming a car-free zone. We'll have to see how it pans out. Um, I'm not sure where the parallel with the mayor explaining that you know social distancing is important with this car-free zone stuff. I think they're kind of trying to tie this stuff together and use it as an excuse mm-hmm. to seize some of this. I'm not sure. Like, oh, we need to do this because this. And by the way, we're also going to close down all these streets over here. We're just going to take care of this. <laughs> it's counterintuitive, we, we, Will. We've been wanting to do this for quite some time. This will help us reach that 2030 milestone. No one's looking, Chris. No one's Quick. looking. No one's looking. All right. While no one's looking, I want you guys to go to Patreon and sign up. Patreon.com slash Overcrest. It's only five bucks. That's it. Five dollars. There's so many. Support the content creators that you love. Yes. That's us. And if you're listening, that's probably us. And if you're new, you know, hit that subscribe button, of course. But here's the deal. Uh, you can also sign up for ten or twenty-five dollars, which gets you a shirt or a print. Um, and I and want some new goodies that I'm working on. Yes. Chris. Are they on the way? Uh, those goodies are and oh, other there's goodies some other as goodies. well. Goodies. Yeah. There's more goodies. goodies. Um, you'll be able to buy those goodies in the store too. But at that point, you might as well just sign up as a Patreon and get exclusive content. That's as right. Well, we do exclusive content every month. Uh, and plus you get episodes early, which is nice. And I wanted to thank uh, our new $10 and $25 patrons, Levi Burke, Scott Evans, and Jared Wolf. And we got a really nice message from Jared. And I wanted to read it because it really, really touched me. And I hope he's okay with this. Um, he says, hey, guys, first of all, thanks so much for doing what you guys do. It really is a highlight listening to your show each week. Have li- Having listened through the backlog, it's been awesome to see this podcast go from strength to strength. I'm glad it's going not going from weakness to strength. That's, that's always <laughs> Or from strength to weakness. Right. From the humble beginning of Jake's pre-recorded Luther Westside VW ads, I had memorized them and would say them out loud in the car. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> through, to, <laughs> through to Chris regaling us of his epic road trips. Jake's witty and articulate history episodes, as well as the abundance of interesting guests, having me hooked. Overcrest has awoken a latent passion for cars I've had since I was six, memorizing the car list and stats of Gran Turismo on PlayStation 1. Sorry to get all sappy and sentimental, but it truly means a lot. With all the shit that's going on in the world, now more than ever, it's time for me to support what I love. And I hope that inspires you guys to also support what you love. You know, five bucks is is nothing. That's, yeah. that's like a Red Bull and a half or a, a venti coffee, right? Is it venti? I don't know. Which Those one's are big? dumb. Grande coffee. Just a big coffee. <laughs> 
I don't like Whatever. Starbucks. Anyway, patreon.com slash overcrest. Support us. Support the show. Thanks, Jared make, and Levi yeah. Scott. Yeah, we really, really appreciate it. All right, so the cannonball record has been broken again. This is ridiculous. Okay. This the, is so ridiculous. This is just five weeks after they did it in Audi A8. Right. And uh, cannibal guru Ed Bullion has released a video announcing an even faster time, although right now details are strictly limited. We don't know who did it, what they were driving, or even the exact time, but it says that the 26-hour mark was broken by a considerable amount, meaning the Jeez. average speed would have been over 108. That's average miles per hour. Full details are promised in due course, uh, so I guess, you know, uh, they said that they, they the cruise average speed through some states was an astonishing 120 miles per hour. That's an average! And that they had an amazingly well-prepped car and 30-plus spotters spotters at their disposal 30 spotters wow how does that even work okay. i suppose you have a couple in each state you're going through i guess uh so anyway we'll figure out who and what well, do later. we know the vehicle nothing we know nothing we know absolutely nothing and i don't know why maybe it's like some legal thing maybe they need to burn the car and get new passports before they release the <laughs> release the information i have i have no idea make sure the car was reported stolen so uh another story here that's really interesting a spanish man does a real life gone in 60 seconds heist this is hilarious chris okay so the police were after a stolen generator they don't steal generators on Gone in 60 Seconds. No, they don't. But this leads to them okay. finding something right, out. Sorry. So to carry out the theft of a three-ton generator. Hold on. That is a big generator. <laughs> 6,000 pounds? That's got to be some giant diesel monstrosity. Yeah. I hope it's on wheels. How do you steal it? Like, I hope you, uh, it's one of the trailer generators where it's already on wheels. Well, it says they cut the padlocks on the fence and used a crane truck to take it. So it's definitely not on wheels, Chris. <laughs> no, no. no, it is not. <laughs> Yeah, so to carry out the theft of the three-ton generator, they had to cut padlocks on the fence surrounding a construction site and use a crane truck to load and transport it. So, hold on. Did they come in with the crane truck? Or was there a crane truck on the construction all, site that what, they're just like, wait a minute, let's also break into this thing and lift the generator onto our truck? I have no idea. But you know when you go out on construction sites, they always have the generator hanging from the crane truck. Yes. You know what I mean? Because they yes. don't want somebody to steal it. Like this guy. So basically, they stole the keys to the crane truck and just put it on their truck. Probably. That's, yeah. I'm guessing, some some guy left the keys in the crane truck. That dude is fired. <laughs> <laughs> so this happened in Spain. So all we have is the translation right. of the Spanish report, which I am going to read as no, Google translated no, it. No. Yes, I am. Okay. Agents in charge of the investigation began to carry out the pertinent inquiries to identify the author. I Which, thought you were going to do this in a Spanish accent. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, I, uh, no, don't do it. Don't, I'm, okay. trying to, I'm trying to locate my Spanish in my <laughs> repertoire here. <laughs> that was French. <laughs> you almost started <laughs> repertoire. <laughs> yes, I am a French Spaniard. Agents in charge of the investigation. No, 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 no. no, no. So Just they began it. to carry out the pertinent investigation of the author. I don't know why they said author. I don't think that's what they meant. Which led them to locate the suspect in a hamlet in Getaria, where he was carrying out works. That's, so that's where he was working. Yes, okay. carrying out works. After carrying out an inspection of the surroundings of the property, the agents located the truck with which the suspect had allegedly carried out the transfer of the generator. That's what they call it? A transfer? <laughs> like, yeah, hold on. I'm just going to transfer, transfer that, that generator? Into my possession. <laughs> and nearby, hidden under a tarp in a wooden area, the generator itself was found. Also inside, just, how big was this tarp for a six thousand pound generator? It's a big tarp. 
Yeah. Okay, but here's where things get interesting, Chris. Oh, okay. Also inside were a few other things, including a motorcycle with the rear saddlebags full of guns, a taser, handcuffs, and ten thousand dollars cash. <laughs> okay. So what are you gonna do? Okay. Let's let's imagine <laughs> that you have these items. You've got a gun, uh-huh. a taser, uh-huh. handcuffs, and ten grand. Uh-huh. Are you hiring a prostitute or are you killing somebody? <laughs> Which one is it? Is both, it murder? Chris, both. Is it murder or prostitution? It's got to be one of the two. <laughs> also in this farm. Excuse me, honey. I've got this 10 grand going to be enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't maybe know, the maybe. taser's a kinky thing. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. So, no, that's not all. In the farmhouse was also, here's a list of a few of the vehicles that he also has. A BMW E30 M3, a BMW E36 M3, a Ford Escort RS Cosworth, which is one of 7,145. Okay, also, so far this guy has a incredible taste. Right, so... These are also cars that I assume he stole. Yeah, right? that, yeah, that's they so are. the Ford Sierra RS 500 Cosworth, which is only one of 500 because that's a homologation car. Remember the Lancia Delta F HF Integrale, another homologation car, a Mercedes Benz 190E Cosworth Evolution 2, of which there's only 502 of them made. That's a dream car. Yes, it is. A whole bunch of Mitsubishi Lancer Evolution variants. He had the 4, the 6, the 7 Tommy McKinnon edition, the 7 and more. He had a Renault The Tommy McKinnon edition is, uh, that was in Gran Turismo. Yes, it was. One of them. Gran Gran Turismo 1. Okay. Uh, The Renault 5 Turbo, which is awesome. That's only, they made less than 5,000 of them. And also the Peugeot 205 GTI. I want the Renault 5 Turbo. I do too. Did you click on the link and look at the photos of these cars? No. They are absolutely incredible cars. I mean, they are, we'll put the link in the show notes, of, but the Renault 5 Turbo, the blue one. Yeah. Oh my God. That is a dream car. I want one of those. They're so cool. So badly. So well, good, anyways, good for, I mean, the guy had incredible taste. Yes, he did. Um, I hope he. Well, I what ho- was the generator for? If this is what you already have, why a generator, Chris? I probably don't sell it. I mean, because the generator doesn't have papers. It doesn't have a VIN number. It's a 6,000 pound generator. It's probably worth as much as some of these cars. And it's easy. I don't to, know. It would be yeah. easy to sell. I imagine you could sell it to, you know, Joey needs a generator company. I Joey have- needs a generator? <laughs> I don't know. Joey needs a generator.com. <laughs> <laughs> no, dot, uh, dot Spain. Dot SP. Dot, <laughs> All right, so uh, Hertz, the giant rental car company, is going to die probably, mm. which is has interesting implications that I want. Why is that? Uh, so let me get. I'll get there. Okay. S and P Global Ratings. They they do credit ratings for Correct. for companies. Yes. Uh, cut Hertz's corporate credit rating to selective default. Oh, that's not. That good. sounds bad. I don't know exactly what that means, but that sounds bad. On Thursday, saying it doesn't believe the company's liquidity position will improve before its fair forbearance period ends, forcing it to pursue restructuring or file. For bankruptcy, right? So, so basically, they're in forbearance on loans. Yep, but they don't think they're going to get enough liquid cash to pay the loans once they come out of forbearance, which means they have to file for bankruptcy. Right. So Hertz Global Holding Inc.'s creditors were offered two bad choices when hammering out a deal to keep it out of bankruptcy: cut the 102-year-old companies some slack and hope it recovers, or let it slip into insolvency and try to recoup their investment. The holders of Hertz asset-backed securities blinked and gave the company until May 22nd to pay them about $400 million. (laughs) This just goes, okay, 
I have I have some debt, right? Sure. As <laughs> I do I. I don't have four hundred million dollars in debt. No. I. But you yeah. have to take that into perspective of what their actual operating and I know is. they have all kinds of stuff. Hertz knew its creditors would want to avoid bankruptcy, which could trigger a fire sale of devalued used cars if oh. the ABS trust that hold. There you go. You just picked up on it. If the ABS <laughs> trust that hold the vehicles have to liquidate, according to people familiar with the matter. Okay, so what does this mean? All right, there's been in the last couple of months, there's been a seventy percent drop in used car sales okay. over the last few months. Wow. Wholesale prices are down 11%. Yeah. Imagine what happens if you flooded the market with several hundred thousand used cars that are being liquidated in bankruptcy. Meaning they're going cheap, as cheap as possible. They are going cheap or they're just going to sit there. Well, the problem is you look at supply and demand in a macro sense. So our demand is way down right now right. by 70%. The supply hasn't changed. Demand is down 70%. Now we're going to take our supply... And make just it extrapolate it by exactly a hundred percent, or who knows how many used cars are for sale? Probably more than several hundred thousand. But right, so you might even double your used car volume. Wow! So and these yeah. are all cars. These are all twenty seventeen to, right, to newer, newer last two or three years. They're right, all newer because cars. rental cars don't have old cars. All of them beat within an inch of their life. Oh, for sure. Just sitting there, just on the wow. lot, and uh, it's not going to be good because what are they going to do with all these cars? Nobody, I better sell my cars quick, Chris. Well, nobody's buying used car or new cars, which puts pressure on used cars because the price of new cars, there's a lot of incentives out there. Zero percent, we'll right. give you a discount, blah, blah, blah. So some people are buying new cars or used cars to begin with because the incentives are so good right. for a new car, which already has that, huge pressure. Wasn't it Hyundai said something like they make a promise where if you lose your job in the next six yeah. months, yeah, they'll basically all kinds buy it back from you? There's 100%. all kinds of shit. Yep. Wow. Yep. All right. All right, so Bentley thinks... Oh, why don't you take this one? This is going for you. All right, I was going to say, though, if you're in the market for a used car, now's the time. Hey, that's me, but I got to get rid of some cars first. <laughs> All right, so Bentley thinks luxury isn't exactly a touch screen. I like this. So David Fernley, lead designer for Bentley Motors, recently spoke to Forbes about the all-new Bacalar. Not what? Baclavar, the Bacalar. What's a baklavar? Baklavar is either a no. You're thinking pastry. Uh, you're thinking of baklava. No, bakla- are, bakla- those are two baklava is what you wear when you go go karting. Correct. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the baklava, I believe, is a pastry. Uh, during the interview, he mentioned why the two million dollar car won't be equipped with touchscreens. While some manufacturers can go all in on touchscreens, aka Volkswagen earlier in this episode. Luxury brands like Bentley, it isn't so straightforward. No matter how pleasant the infotainment system user interface, you can't make a touchscreen feel luxurious. You just can't because they all feel the same. Right. Is he talking about the um, the feeling physically? Or is he talking about just the overall. feeling? It's probably both. Yeah, a touchscreen is not luxurious. Because if you think of high-quality materials, you can always tell. Yes. Right? You can always tell... Uh, real silk over synthetic silk. You can always tell uh, like the nice burled wood always feels nice, yep. very smooth. There's all kinds of high-quality materials, leather, Alcantara, all that stuff yeah. over vinyls. Yeah. Furthermore, Bentley can't go raiding the parts bin of owner's Volkswagen in search of touch-sensitive buttons or screens with haptic feedback. Physical controls are still very much what's expected and even required for this market. Market. <laughs> <laughs> okay, buddy. Keep going. Uh, Fernley said there was a major market shift towards touch capability. And for us, one of the elements we wanted in the Continental GT and Flying Spur range was this ability for digital detox, Chris. Because I think one of the romantic elements of the Grand Tour 
is you sit back and enjoy the drive and the ability for the rotating displays to rotate to the analog clocks and take away that noise that is sometimes we are quite quite keen on, he says. The ability to have that tactile element is important. And I just, a little, uh, little plug here, uh, also came out this morning as an article I wrote on this. Yeah. So I wrote an article on the Overcrest page, overcrestproductions.com, about how we got to this point, kind of the path we took along um, how we went from the one button, which was the horn, <laughs> and to having 50,000 buttons and a touchscreen in the car. Kind right. of talk about that evolution of that. That's up on the Overcrest website right now if you want to check that out. Yeah. Uh, the article goes on here saying Bentley can't get too stuck in its way. The industry is evolving fast. This is still a quote from Fernley. And even sibling Porsche has gone all in on touchscreens with, of course, the Taycan. And that can be brought up with up to four of these touchscreens plus the all-digital instrument display behind the steering wheel. Which I hate. I do too. Fernley added, it's a question across the industry. And at Bentley, we're facing it in our own way. And that is, how do you make the digital experience luxury? And how can you differentiate yourself from other companies? There's some very interesting research taking place at the moment, which is looking at exactly that. How can you really involve the customer and give them a warmth to this otherwise cold display? As for haptic feedback, where a touchscreen gives a sensation of a physical click when pressed, Fernley insists there must remain a beauty in the physical elements and the clunk click. <laughs> and we have that around the rest of the car. I think the ability to have a tactile interface with the vehicle is important. I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And I was going to have you tell me the difference um, between, maybe we don't need to go here yet, but the difference between using your phone while you're driving uh -huh. and using a giant touchscreen while you're driving. What is the fundamental difference? So, yeah, the, the implication for manufacturers is that, oh, well, it's obviously more safe to use a touchscreen. Why? It, it's not. It's, I'm saying it's not. Okay. But that they must obviously be thinking that and trying to sell that idea because you're not allowed to drive in a lot of states now without a hands-free device. You're not able to use your phone. Manufacturers so, aren't stupid. They know that that's not true. I would say perhaps they're saying that it's bigger, so you don't have to bring the phone right up to your face to see it. You can maybe make out things more quickly at a glance. And also, the other thing is that screen isn't moving, right? It's not like you have to hold it in your hand, which might be a good thing, actually, because when you're holding your phone in your hand, you now have a reference point, right? You know where things are, where your thumb needs to be in reference to the rest of your hand. Yeah, maybe. I don't Whereas know. Whereas a screen, you don't. I don't know. I. That's the nice thing about tactiles. You can feel the fucking buttons. That's it. I'm just so tired of this. You can feel the buttons in your hand. Right. You can feel it. And we, we talked about this last week, so I'm not going to get into it too that much. That 944 did not have a touchscreen, Chris. It did not. And nope. I, I was looking back through pictures of my old cars, and it was 100% one button, the horn. And that was, <laughs> and that was the only... What about only, the hazards? Come on. That's, that's a button. That's a switch. That's, that's a, switch? a switch. Yeah. Mm. That's a switch, not a button. Okay. You don't, you don't think a rocker switch and a button are the same things? No, I don't. Because your button, hazard was a rocker switch? Yeah. Oh, I suppose. You tick, tick. On off, it just it was a rocker switch. Okay, a button is something that you push and it stays on. A rocker switch has two different yes, locations. I gotcha. All right, that's pretty. That's pretty. Uh, we're splitting hairs there a little <laughs> bit. Uh, anyway, I don't know. I don't know how you create timeless design in an environment where progress and technology moves so fast. Well, that's just it. I Things are going to look it. very outdated on a digital front because right? the user interfaces are constantly changing. Mm -hmm. You just look at your phone; like all the icons are constantly updating. Yeah. Every five six months, you know, Instagram's like little thing looks a little bit different, yeah. or uh, Facebook's icon looks different. The F changes shape. You can't. That's that's not timeless. Right. Exactly. That's, that's, uh, and I do like the idea that Bentley is thinking, okay, well, luxury, it needs to be timeless. 
it, it, it has to be. And the opposite of timeless is something that is constantly advancing and progressing. Right. That is the opposite of it. And that's probably the, that's the push-pull that they have. I hope they do well with this theory and philosophy, and I hope that other manufacturers kind of follow suit. Right. I agree. I think uh, maybe they, we've they gone as far as we can with touchscreens, and hopefully we kind of swing back. Uh, well, I think we're just at the point where everything, like just the new Prius now has a giant touchscreen in it. Yeah, massive. Massive. And I think we're at the point where that stuff is going to really become prevalent. And I think I don't think we're what, where you're talking about yet. We're not. At I the think extreme. we will. I think we will get there, but we're not going to be there till everybody's tired of it. Right now, it's still this new shiny thing. Mm. So it's something like uh, when you go to buy a car, people are like, oh, well, it just needs to have. I have a touch. How screen. big is the screen? Yeah, what screen? What's how, what is it? CarPlay compatible? Android compatible? Is it? You know, does it have uh, uh, LTE built in? As and how many years is that included? And <laughs> and people are not asking the questions of. You know, what is this stupid thing like to drive? They haven't even driven the car yet. They're just trying to figure out if the thing has automated emer- automated emergency braking so they don't die while they're trying to use the stupid touch <laughs> <Right>. screen. <laughs> All right. I just want to remind everybody to please leave us a review. Leave us a five-star review if you could. Um, and subscribe if you're new to the podcast. It would really, really help us out. Hit that subscribe button. And please leave us a nice review. <laughs> That would be please and thank you. Yeah, please thank you. That would yeah, be, we, be uh, I also want to get some giveaways going again too, some contests. Yeah, that worked out really well. That. We should do that, give some stuff away. Absolutely. Uh, maybe Stay with some tuned. of the new merch that we're getting, we'll exactly. get some of that away. All right, so Atlanta is going to sanction street racing. Really? With quieter streets due to the coronavirus pandemic, scenes on Atlanta streets have looked like something straight out of the Fast and the Furious. On May 14th, Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms said the city is looking at a new solution that came as a recommendation from her 18-year-old son. I like that kid. Along with Bloomberg, who it's who is a consulting uh, okay. consulting firm uh, who helps governments, who we've reached out to to help us do some benchmaking and assessment of what's happening in benchmarking. Other benchmarking. Benchmaking is much different. Yes. Yeah. Well, yes. That's, nope. That's that's totally different. Benchmarking and assessment of what's happening in other cities has been to consider a designated space for street racing. Uh, basically, what they want to do is they want to take maybe some abandoned warehouse area late at night and let people race around on it. That but, won't happen. I agree. They already have a drag strip in Atlanta. Right. You can already go to the drag strip and do it legally if you want. Part of the allure of this is that it is illegal. Right. It and is the thrill. It even is Even if somehow they make it where it's sanctioned and they say, okay, go do it, someone's going to die and then or get injured and maimed and then the city is going to be liable? How are they going to do that? They're going to get sued whether they're liable or not. I have no idea. I it's do just, not There's see no it. way they can sanction I don't see this that. happening They at can't all. sanction it. All right. You take the next one. All right. So we talked about Holden. The yeah, we did Australian a, arm of General Motors. We did a whole thing on Holden. Yeah, we did. It was one of our... Actually, that episode was... We must have a lot. I think we have a lot of Australian listeners. Hey, mate. Let's see. We got a few <laughs> nope, of those. that was wrong. No, that was wrong? That was yeah, yeah. Jesus. Uh, yeah, so we talked about them going out of business, but that didn't quite sit well with the Queensland Senator James McGrath, who offered to buy Holden for $1 in order to turn it over to the existing network of dealers. Quote... If General Motors thinks the brand is worth nothing, then hand the brand back to Australia. Give it back to the Holden dealers, McGrath said in a perfectly, a perfectly accentuated accent. Well, he didn't have so. an accent because it's his. It's only an accent if you're doing. I don't know. No, that was spot on. Is what I'm saying. Chris. Okay. Yeah. So give it back to the dealers. He criticized GM chief executive Mary Barra 
In fact, I'm happy to purchase the Holden brand from General Motors for one dollar. Wow, he's really going out on a limb. I'll send you, Miss Barra, a dollar in the post, and you can give us the Holden brand back, and we'll give it to the Holden dealers. To put it bluntly, General Motors is trying to sneak under the cover of COVID-19 to disappear into the night and leave Australian businesses stranded after an 89-year one-night stand. So they thought they've been getting fucked for 89 <laughs> years is what they're saying. Okay, <laughs> Referring to GM's arrival of Australia in 1931. So the Australian dollar is only worth 64 cents in U.S. dollars. So, so he's not even offering a full dollar. Not even offering a full dollar. Come on, guy. I, uh, if, I'm sure they're keeping the brand in their back pocket. Right. It's I the, mean, it's, yeah, it's, the, the brand identity is obviously worth more than a dollar. Yes. But his point is like, well, the only reason they'd be pulling out is if they think it's worth nothing. So I'll give you a dollar because that's more than nothing. Right. And you have to trade a dollar. Otherwise, you can't actually legally change ownership unless it was sold. Right. Is kind of what he's getting at. I don't know. I was sad to see a Holden die. You know, right. it's it's all one the, of the utes. It's the best ute of all time. You know, I've seen them driving around here every once in a while from people that have have uh, imported them. them. Yep. Uh, we'll see where it goes. I'm sure we'll see Holden again someday. Although I'm sure it'll be a shell or shadow of its former self. I think that's. I think that covers all the news for this week. I'm glad we got to come back and do some news. There was I'm, news. There was news, and it looks like we're going to have news uh, here on out. I really like doing these episodes, so I'm glad to glad to be back. Uh, make sure you head over to Patreon.com/slash/overcrest. Support the show. Um, hit that subscribe button. Leave us a review. We kind of pounded in your head this episode a little bit. Well, I, I mean, it makes sense because guess what? We're all bored of being quarantined at this point. Right, right. Right. And if you've made it through our entire back catalog, which I know some people have. Yeah. We also have all of that exclusive content that's secret stored away on Patreon for those subscribers. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Take care. Oh,